0: Wow, that was amazing. I didn't even want to preach this morning. I wanted to listen to more of you, Rich. (laughs) Seriously. Wisdom. Diligence to the word. Carries the presence of God. Hears from God. Acts upon what he hears from God. Awesome. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are moving into times where we need to be more intimately connected, Father God. With the network of the church, Father God, Lord, brings every spiritual strength and gift together, Father God, Lord, to work together in unity. Father God, Lord, to see the plan and purpose that you've given to people as individuals, but also corporately This is church, Father God, Lord. I thank you, Father God, Lord, that you're going to open eyes of understanding. You're going to reveal truths, Father God, Lord. We thank you right now, Father God, Lord, for the presence of God and the move of the Spirit in this nation. And we thank you, Father God, we call ourselves blessed in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen, Amen. Amen. Wow. How's your week been? Yeah, yeah, good. Mine, mine, I'm glad you asked. A terrible. Fishing A, people go, Fishing A, how are you? Oh, I'm terrible. Um, no, nah, it's, it's, it's been a really hard week for me. It's been a really, as I'm sure we all have had a hard week, but I've had an extra hard week this this week not that it's a competition but I, I think i might have won i might have won but no i had a really bad week and it started off bad for the wrong for, for different reasons and it ended up so it started off that i lost my phone i lost my phone at the church picnic well i think i lost it unless some christians mixed up and confused around blessing themselves um i lost my nah i lost my phone i lost my phone i couldn't find it and i couldn't find it and thank you for everyone that was looking and in in helping me in that but you know if i'm honest I was, I was gutted on sunday i was gutted and and i felt a little lost without it you know what i mean like i really did you know you become so reliant on your phone you know your your communications you know all my emails my texts um my tinder account um nah, i'm only joking but you ca- you know what i mean I, i'm happily married, Darcy. I'm happily married. I don't know how happy my wife is, but I'm having a bull. Um, but it's serious, though, you can't, you lose all your communications. And I don't know if you've got numbers in your head, but I haven't. The only number that I knew off by heart was my wife's. It's the only one I knew. So all of a sudden I lost, you know, emails, I can't get anything. And I just felt so reliant on it. You know, just so reliant on it. Anyway, it's so a Sunday, I was fuming. Like man, but I was annoyed with myself, you know, and I was frustrated because I was like, where did I put it? And you know, man, everything to do with it. So I started getting some real poor me problems, you know. You know what I mean? Real poor me problems. And um, anyway, I thought to myself, forget about it. Woke up Monday and I rang work. Well, didn't ring them. That's the thing. I couldn't even ring them. (laughs) I Had to email them. Out the back on the drums, trying to send a message. And, and, and so I messaged them and said, oh, look, I've lost my phone. I've lost my work phone. I'm going to be offline. I'll jump on Teams and, you know, we've got other ways of commsing through my laptop and that. But I said, look, I've, I've lost it. <clears throat> and um, they said, oh, no, it's all right. It's all right. We'll get you a loan one. Okay, we'll get you a loan phone. And um, I get to work on the Tuesday and they give me this phone and it's like real old <laughs> eh? and, it's real, and it's cracked. And, and it blinks every now and then. I don't know if anyone's had a phone that when you try and think, it just starts blinking at you. And I was like, and it's every now and then, and you, know, you hear buttons going, D-d-d-d-d-d-d-d. and I'm not even touching them, and I'm like, this phone is, is wrecked. So I was moaning about my phone, okay? Moaning about it, man. Like it was, you know, again, like I said, you know, it, it was like a real major issue for me. And it started to get me a little bit bent out, like a little bit, you know, oh, I'm a phone, you know, I can't do this and I can't do that. So that was on the Tuesday. On the Wednesday morning, I get, I get hit with the news of Cyclone Gabriel. Oh, everyone's seen the devastation of that? So Cyclone Gabriel actually hit the east coast, and it hit Napier, Wairoi and Gisborne. But Gisborne got really hammered, and, and my whanau live in Gisborne. And they live in a little place called Tekaraka, and um, it's a tiny little town in between Gisborne on your way to the Aporeki Gorge. And it got hit really, really hard. Have you got that photo of... Is there a photo? So I got a photo sent because what happened was my dad and them got um, evacuated. So that's that's my dad's house there with the black circle around it. That's my nana's family house. And if you can see, you can see the waters come up like it's all through the house. And and and, and so it, the the river burst at this end of the town, and it just came straight through. Just came straight through, and it ripped through. And you know when I saw that, when I saw that picture of you know of my My nana's house, you know, that's our family house. I knew that all the other family houses around it would be gone as well. It really put my phone into perspective. It reduced it to the minor inconvenience it always was. It was never really a big deal, you know? And I'm worrying about my phone, and I'm distracted by this, and I'm thinking about this, and then I get a reality check. reality check on what's real in life and what means something in life. You know, and it just put me into perspective. You know, that, like I said, that was my family home, my nana's family home. I'm very strongly connected to this area because I've been there all my life since I was a baby. I've got photos of me in that house before I could walk. I've been up to our marae every, I go up there all the time. I feel really connected. When I was 15, um, I was really naughty. Sorry, sorry to let you down, Pastor Robin. I know, I know you've got big, big aspirations for me, but I've, I've, I was—I was naughty, and I was 15, and I was making all the wrong decisions. I was making the bad decisions, man, that you make when you're out of control. And my dad—I came home one time, and I was 15, and my dad said, "You're going up to Nana's to live." I not being like, "That's in the middle of the sticks. It's in the middle of nowhere. Like that, that road last year only just got lines painted down the side of it. Like that's, and we were excited about it." You know what I mean? Like, it's a real country hit town. And I'm like, what am I going to do there? I'm 15, you know. I thought I owned the world. I thought I was going, you know, living the life. And, and Dad goes to me, um, I said, no, I'm not going up there. And he goes, I said, no, I don't want to go up there. And he goes, uh, no, I'm not asking. <laughs> I'm telling you. You're going up to live with your nanas. So he sent me up there for three months. You know, now I, I, I was gutted. I was, I was uh, angry about that. But you know what? That was tough love. That was tough love, man, and I needed that. I needed that tough love. And so Dad made the decision that, I, that needed to be made for me. He didn't leave it to a 15-year-old to come up with his own ideas. He told me what was going on. So I went up to Nana's. And you know the funny thing about it? I learned tough love from Dad, and I learned unconditional love from my Nana. You know, when I went up to my Nana's, she loved me, man. She didn't believe any of the stories, Pastor Robin. Everyone was making it up, and I was a good boy. Yeah, Nana loved me so much. And you know, the thing about unconditional love is, is love that you don't deserve. You know, she loved me when I didn't deserve to be loved. I didn't even love myself then. You know, so she showed me unconditional love. And that's how when I came to church and they started talking about unconditional love from God, I could get it. Because I'd had it. I'd had it from my mum and I'd had it from my dad. Not so much from Matt. <laughs> Aye. More tough love from Matt, not unconditional. But it takes a mixture of both. Yeah. You know, Proverbs 13, 24, it says, hey, spoil, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. And it's sort of been misused, you know, because at the end of the day, it's taught, what it's saying is if you really love your kids, you'll discipline them. And I can tell you right now, whacking a kid with a stick, it's a lot harder to, to challenge the will of a young man and change a person's, you know, that's the battle is when you're actually battling their will. You know, the discipline side of things and that, you know, that's up to everyone's individual sort of thing. But the real battle is with the mind with the young people, you know. Um, and if I'm honest, some parents aren't tough enough these days. They're not making the hard decisions for their kids. They're, oh, what do you want to do? How do you feel? What do you, you know, kids need to be led. They need to be led by example, you know, we, we, live, you know, we live in a generation that's raised, parents are raising their kids as friends. And don't get me wrong, it's great to have a friendship with your kid. It's great to have a good relationship, but first and foremost, I'll be dad. And if we can be friends as well as me being dad, then it's all good. But my first role is not, my kids have got plenty of friends. Truckloads of people and truckloads of friends. They've got one dad, one mum. So, you know, I, I look at this as, you know, when we're raising them more as equals, you know, we. we it's, it's not how it's meant to be, you know? It's, it's not how it's meant to be. And, you know, I was really hard on my boys. I was extremely hard on my boys. But they needed it. <laughs> they needed it. I talked about it earlier on, and I saw some of children's church leaders getting triggered by it. <laughs> you know, my boys were pretty naughty when they were young. Hey, they needed to be disciplined. They needed to have consequences. You know, I'll give you an example. My son, he was 10 years old. And he'd done something really naughty. Like, I mean really bad. Uh, he could have gotten into the police. I'll tell you what it was, okay? I wasn't going to. But our neighbours were growing marijuana, a bit of the devil's lettuce, and they had it over the back, and he was mates with the kid, and they stole a hole out of this pot. Stole a hole of this pot and took it to school. It, it was all wet, and you couldn't smoke it. It was just all stalk and, you know, and leaf and that, But but... but but they took it to school, you know, and they were trying to hand it out. They got caught, hey? Eh? Yeah, yeah, I know. And so I get pulled in, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" So I'm, I'm very upset about it. And so anyway, we have to go to a board meeting. So I get to the board meeting; it was really official. There's these four people sitting up on this bench thing, and we're down on this thing, and it looked like a court setup. And and so I'm standing there, and then Caleb comes in, and I'm with Caleb, and Caleb's standing, and I'm here, and they start talking about disciplining him, and you know what had gone wrong now there were a couple of things that I wasn't happy with how the school had gone about it but my thing is I never undermine authority uh, it, like I will always support teachers I support things and if I don't then I'll go to them okay so what happened was at the end of the, the thing Caleb's standing there you know and he's and they they say the punishment I think he got stood down for a couple of days which just meant staying at home and you know and so I was so they stand there and they said, uh, "You know, yep, it's done." So they did everything and it was all over. And I said to them, "Oh, look! Before we, is, is it all is this over now?" And they went, "Yeah." I said, "Look, before before we stop, I just want Caleb to go outside and wait in the hall because I'd like to talk to you guys." And they turned around and said to me, "Well, actually, Mr. Brown, it's Caleb's meeting. So if Caleb agrees to go out, are you having a laugh?" Hey, and I look at Caleb, his eyes are blinking, he's already, he's already walking out the door. But, but you know, because he knew, he just looked at me, when, mate, he wanted to go, he couldn't get out there quick enough. <laughs> but you know, that really undermined me. You know, and, and I, I said to them, I said, hey mate, don't ever do that to me again. I said, I have authority over my son. If I tell my son to go and stand in the hallway on his head, he'll stand on his head. Mate, if I tell you to go out in the hallway, you'll go out you know, like, it just annoyed me, but this is what we're living with, we're, we're people, it's just going crazy, great to be accepting, great to be tolerant, but there's things that you can't tolerate and you can't accept, and you can't accept the world being run by 10-year-olds, simple as that, so yeah, you know, I just, and and here's the thing, my sons are now 23, or 24 and 25, my best mates, my best mates, I love my sons, they're my number ones, man, they're my best mates, but I'm their dad first. And if dad has to get in between being a mate, then dad will do that. And they can, what, sulk on me for a week. You know? Or two. Yeah, yeah you know the mate, eh? Two. Yeah, they, they hold a grudge, eh? <laughs> nah, they don't. That's the thing about it. I tell, I've, got, I've got six grandkids, six mokos. I four boys. I tell those boys off all the time, not to be mean, to teach them the way they need to hold themselves, conduct themselves, and what sort of young men I want them to be. And I tell them off, man, and I'll tell you what, the more I tell them off, the more they love it. Because kids are looking for boundaries. Kids are looking for people who love and care enough to do the hard stuff, to do the tough love, not just the hugs and kisses and yeses. Hey, The no's, and this is why no. Can we play that interview? There's an interview. i, I was just see if it'll play. I'm not too sure if we've got it. Devastating. It's form. a video. So this is a video that I want you guys to watch. This is Tikaraka. This is the little place where my dad's from. But it's just been devastating for everyone in this community. Uh, Don't get me wrong, we're happy that we're still alive but it's the devastation afterwards. Mm. Um, We don't even know where we're going to stay after this. Uh, It just, everything happened so quickly that there was either move now Mm. or you're, you're on your own. So we all went up the hill and then we just watched it unfold in front of us and watched our town basically get drowned we had no you know communication anywhere to call family overseas and mm, and we still can't lost everything Mm. there's some of us around here that haven't can't afford to insurance yeah so what what happens to them Mm. these are my cousins these are my cousins Uh, here alicia and raymond they've got nowhere to go and they don't know what the next step is um, with their homes devastated. Alicia and Raymond uh, join me now and they've just come down cause saw, him, saw me on the telly and you wanted to let your whanau know that you fellas are all right, eh? Yes, yes, all right whanau. So where were you? You were in Te karaka too. Not Te Yeah. And um, four o'clock in the morning, I was soaring out of my house with my two tūkūre getting saved by my cousins. Yep. Had to swim out onto the road um, the river was swift, my house filled out within like five minutes. The waters just came from te Karaka. Didn't come from across the road, from now mm. across the road. It all came through, down, channeled through Tekaraka down the main road and wiped us out, all of us. Um, yeah. Raymond, have you managed to save anything? No, it's, we um, yeah, total. Nothing. So where are you fellas staying mm. at the moment? I'm with Raymond and his wife. Yeah. Um, they happen to have wharia here in Gisborne, so we've come through here. You know, <clears throat> that's a reality check for me. You know, I'm worrying about this phone. Worrying about, oh man, like, I haven't got the flashiest phone. Didn't you see that? Trauma, man. You know, I see it in my cousin's eyes. I could see the, the pain in, in Raymond's eyes. You know, that's a reality check. You know, you feel funny worrying about stuff like your phone. You know, you, you really do. You know, and that's when, when I realised my phone didn't mean anything. You know, I started worrying about my dad, my whanau, my Marai, things that mean something. It reminded me of what's real, what actually really does mean something to me. I could lose a hundred phones. I don't care. I can't lose my dad, you know? Yeah. We get worried and we concern ourselves with all the wrong things sometimes, the material things, the superficial, what sort of phone we have, what sort of car we drive, job we have, what sort of image we have, you know, what sort of hairstyle we've got. You know, this generation's getting more and more caught up in the superficial, more and more. You know, the world's getting distracted by stuff. You know, I, and I'm talking about me. I can get caught up in nothingness sometimes. Like I said, the first start of this week, the, the, the life-ending problem for me was that I didn't have a phone. Then all of a sudden it was I didn't have a nice enough phone. You know, it was a real reality check. You know, 2 Timothy 3.2, it says, people will become lovers of themselves, boastful pride. And you see it. You see it. Lovers of self, there's this, there's this real heavy... Weight put on, people put on their self-importance. Like we're so self-important. You see it in arguments. When people are online, no one's trying to listen to anyone. They're just everyone saying what they think. <clears throat> you know, when crisis comes and real-life issues hit, stuff means nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know, and I'll tell you right now, when I go to Gizzy, it doesn't matter what car I pull up in. It doesn't matter what my job doesn't matter about my hair although I'll get it cut and it will look sharp but it doesn't matter doesn't matter whether I'm vaxxed or unvaxxed doesn't matter about my political views doesn't matter what I think we get caught up in nothingness I believe this is what's going to matter when I turn up I believe in Jesus Christ I know the word of God I know the word of God I carry the whole presence of our Holy Spirit. And I know the one and the only, the real not the phony, our God. That's what's going to matter when I pull up. That's that's what I'm going to bring. Because I can tell you right now, the whenua will be restored. The buildings will be rebuilt. But it's the people's spirit. That's what needs to be encouraged and have hope and be strong. Because the spirit of people will outsee everything. There's a scripture in Psalm 46, I don't know if I gave that one to you guys, did I? Oh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's the start of it. God is our refuge and strength. And ever present help in trouble. Can you go to the next one? Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. It talks about that we, our, our trust will be in God. So there's a scripture and an answer in the Bible for everything. You know, and to be honest with you, that's, the word of God is what's going to encourage people. The word of God is what's going to strengthen people's spirits to carry on. The love of God. The grace of God, those are the things that are going to work. Because we can get too distracted sometimes. I'm going to finish on a, on a scripture. I, I haven't given you this one, guys, um, because I just added it in, fresh off the press this morning. Um, and it's this, man. It's 1 Corinthians one eighteen. Sorry, I've got to get the right version. It says here, for the message of the cross, the message of the cross, which is salvation, man's redemption to God. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know, what that's saying is people look too much to self, intellect, intelligence, that's what people are putting all their thing on information, not revelation of what God's doing. And this is why, you know, like it says that people will be confounded because there's going to be times that come where all the intelligence in the world isn't going to work. Doesn't matter how in- intellectual you are, it's not going to work. You know, and people miss God and it looks foolish. Why? Because they're trying to work it out in their, in their minds. They're trying to work it out in their heads, not their spirits and their hearts. God has always used average people. He's always used broken people. He's never, ever gone and gone. Who's the coolest looking guy? Who's got the best? Who can do this? Who can do, who's the strongest? Who's, he doesn't. When he chose David as king, David was so, so out of the picture, so least, that they didn't even bring him out. And what does God say in 1 Samuel 16, 7? He says, For God does not look at the outward, but he looks at the inward. Too many of the world are looking for... For the world to be saved through science, through climate change, through this, through that, through this. It's through God. It's through Jesus Christ. And that's what happens is that we we focus. Look at Moses. Moses couldn't even speak. He stuttered. And yet he chose him. He chose him to lead the people out of Egypt. Him, his 80 year old brother, and a stick. Hey, that's who he chose. Because you know what? When I heard that my dad was okay, I got the message. I got it from this phone. This broken phone, this cracked phone, this phone that I moaned about. I got the message through that. You know, and sometimes we can feel like this phone. You know, Rich was talking about identity. Sometimes we look at ourselves the wrong way. We look at ourselves and go, oh, we're an old model phone, cracks. Some of us are blinking, you know. And we go, how will God ever use me? Hey, hey. How will God ever use me? Guess what? That's who he uses. He doesn't use the ones that come in and go, hey, God, God, stand by, mate, I've got this for you. I'll sort this out, and guess what? When I do, I'll take all the glory. God uses average people like myself, man, so that we can't take the glory. I couldn't even speak in public before God. I couldn't even stand up on a stage and speak in front of 10 people. Hey, I was one of the most unlikely people don't say amen, Pastor Robin. Wow, that's a bit rough. <laughs> no, no, what are you joking. But I was, I was. I had nothing to offer. I had nothing to offer. I was, I was straight out of prison. I was fresh off drugs. I was on a methadone program. I was struggling. I was depressed. I didn't bring anything to God but the pieces of my life. That's what I bought. But I bought them in my hands and I bought them on my knees. And God moved. And he did something. So I want to encourage you, don't, don't focus on the world. It's not time to put our trust in the world. The economy's failing. People are failing. People are homeless. Drugs are getting worse. Violence is getting worse. Gangs are getting bigger. You know what I mean? Like, it's not working. You know, we need to add God into it. Need to add God. Yeah. So if you're feeling like this phone, hey, no, you've got a purpose, in God, you can be an iPhone. What are they up to? 12? In God, you can be anything. Hey. So if you're feeling like this phone man, that's the exact sort of person that God uses as us. Not the perfect. Not the perfect. The broken. The ones that love God and the humbled. Hey. Because I talked about young people earlier. Young people need to be led. And they need to have an example. But they need consequences. They need some real love wrapped around them too. Amen. So, Father God, Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you, Father God, Lord, that you have given me a reality check, Father God, Lord. I thank you, Father God, Lord, that you've lifted my head and you've opened my eyes, Lord. I thank you, Father God, Lord, that you've made a path and you will cut a straight path for the people of Tikaraka and the East Coast that are affected, Lord, that you will go before us and you'll straighten them out. Lord, I thank you that your favor and blessing will be upon those people, that your Holy Spirit will strengthen and comfort and pour out your love, Father God, Lord, in Jesus' name. And right now, Lord God, we give you honour, Father God, Lord. We thank you right now that we can come here and we can worship you, we can honour you, we can speak of you, we can glorify you, Father God, Lord. And we can see you move in our lives and our families and in this community and nation, Father God, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. What should we do now? Hmm? Just, hey, see, Johnny knew I was joking. I've got a plan, guys. What, you think I've got up here without a plan? You think I've just been winging this whole thing? Um, yeah. <laughs> nah. Look, you know, what I want to do is we're just going to play some music. If, if, if we just have a little bit of something nice, moody, and that. Man, What i just love to open this up f- to pray for people. You know, I think there's an urgency that comes when you get a reality check like this. Because I can tell you right now, I love to pray, and I pray all the time, but I, but I prayed this week, man. I prayed this week. You know when it's urgent, hey, and it's more, and I know we should be like that all the time, but we're not, let's be honest. Hey. But man, i tell you right now, I believe that there's, a, there's an anointing that comes. There's anointing that comes through sacrifice and stuff, when, when you're going through stuff like this, you know. I, I believe it. And I just want to open it up for anyone, but I want to start off with this. If, if, you, if you have never heard of this, this, this God and this Jesus that I believe in that I know, that I talk about, it's easy. God doesn't make things hard. It's a simple prayer. So if you've never ever said that before and something in you is going, man, actually, I, I, do, feel, I do feel that God is, is pulling me, then come forward. You know? Even if you've made this decision before, things can get in the way eh, sometimes. We all do it. stuff can get in the way, and you can feel like that old phone too distant from God. Nothing's too good. It says nothing separates us from the love of God. Nothing. So, yeah, that's come forward for that, for that but also pray for anything, man. You know, one thing I've learned about going through crisis is we need each other. You know, the support and network of each other. And this is what Sunday is, is coming together and praying, standing in agreement with each other, you know, being there for each other. So I encourage you, just come forward. I'm just going to hang around at the front while this music plays. And then you guys just come up, anyone that needs prayer. Amen.